Welcome into this Five Clubs conversation. I'm Gary Williams. You know, there are a lot of guys who've won on the PGA Tour. Just getting there is really kind of miraculous. But winning three times shows that, you know what, you were a damn good player. Now, the guy who's going to join me here in studio in just a moment, yeah, he's a three-time winner, and he's still in his early 40s. But he is not fully exempt anymore on the PGA Tour. So what's next? Do you continue to kick it around on the Corn Ferry Tour and keep the dream alive? Or are you to move on to other things? Well, I think he should be on television, not only because he has the credibility of somebody who has won several times, but because he's got a curious mind, he's interesting, and he's opinionated. We're going to find out a lot more about him and his thoughts on everything going on in professional golf, coming up with Johnson Wagner. With that, it's good to see you, Johnson Wagner. Good to see you too, Gary. Been a while. I know it. It certainly has. I appreciate you coming in. It's nice now that I'm here in Charlotte to have guys like you and, and Webb and Harold who are right in town. We got a lot of guys young and up and comers too. Trevor Cohn, who won on the Corn Ferry. Charlotte's kind of booming as a golf town. I know it. And and I do want to get your thoughts about President's Cup because I think it's going to be great, but I it may look a little bit different than people thought at the beginning of the year. There's so much going on, and, and I have always thought – and I've said this to people that know you, uh, that, that you've got a curious mind and there's a lot of things to discuss. I do want to ask about you. Like, where are you with, with your career right now? Um, I had an accident back in February, hurt my left knee. Um, and then I missed a couple of events, played a few this spring, and then I've hurt my right knee. So I'm getting ready tomorrow to have surgery on my right knee. And, um, you know, I've only played six events this year. So I'll, I'll start back in the fall playing out a past champion category and, see where it goes but I'm I'm on the last few holes of my career I'd say unfortunately I'm giving a lot of thought to what's going to happen next and uh you know kind of enjoying being home with my kids spent most of my life traveling 30 weeks a year so it's been it's been nice these last couple of years you know playing 10 or 15 events or less and being home you know the 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 beauty of the game is that you can play it forever the challenge is to play at an elite level for a long long time I always marvel at guys who remain fully exempt until they're 50. I think it's one of the most underrated things in the world uh, to do. Uh, are you facing your own mortality? I mean, is that is that the truth? Uh, it is, and it's, you know, I've never been a long player. I've been a good putter, and the way the game has changed the last five years, it's just, you know, at 42, am I willing to work as hard as I need to to compete with these 25-year-olds, 22-year-olds that come out of college ready to – ready to go. When I was 22 coming out of college, I needed four years on the nationwide tour, corn Ferry tour. I needed to develop when I got on tour, it took me a couple of years to get comfortable. And I, I don't know what's what they're drinking in college these days, but they're coming out ready to ready to take jobs. And you know, there's not that there's no respect, but they're just, they are ready. They're not waiting in line. I mean, no. and, and I mean that with all the respect in the world, they just, they, they, they don't apologize. No. They don't wait in line. And they prove it. And there are examples, you know, guys right now that are, they, they haven't necessarily won, but Cam Young and Will Zalatoris, we can go uh, on and on right. over the last 10 years. Does anything have to do, uh, what do you think are the main ingredients as to why it, it seemed like 30 was prime and now 20 is prime? Why is that? 
so when I went to school, we worked out in the off season with the assistant football trainer. We were doing bench presses and squats and, you know, just the worst exercises for golf. And this was, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. And now I think all these golf programs have, uh, golf specific trainers. They work out year round. It's kind of part of their practice is, is the gym and, and, you know, look at TrackMan technology and how much more we know about fitting golf clubs to kids. So I think at a younger age, they're just, have access to stuff that you know you used to have to be one of the best in the world to have access to the um the awareness of like who you know you're competing against there's a great story going back to, to bird magic like they saw each other like there was like one or two interludes and they went back to their respective schools like that's the guy and now i feel like there's far more exposure to what you're measured against at the, at the at the junior level like i'm around some junior golf now through the underrated tour that steph curry is funding but AJGA and these kids, it's like, I know how good the best is now. And like that light doesn't go on when they're 23, 24 anymore. It like goes on when they're 15. Right. I've had the, my son's playing junior golf and, and, and he likes to do other things, but I think a lot of people are more single sport minded now. And so they're focusing on golf at a younger age. I mean, whereas everybody, all my friends, we all played every sport imaginable growing up and didn't really focus on golf until we got to college. So I think a little bit of that has a lot to do with it too. You won the Met Amateur a couple of times. And for those folks unfamiliar with, with I mean, that that's one of the great wins you could ever have uh, as an amateur in a, in a part of the country that is so rich with not only great golf courses, but great historical winners of, of that. Did that give you kind of belief? I mean, are, are those moments essential moments to you progressing? I didn't really think about playing much Metropolitan Golf Association stuff. Uh, it seemed like the Met Amateur was always kind of around the USAM, so I would try to focus on that. And um, the Met Am came to a course that I caddied at, at Hudson National, and I qualified for it and ended up winning and uh, just fell in love with the MGA and how they run events. And then the list of golf courses that they play, the next one was at Piping Rock and they play Somerset Hills. And it's just a, it's a, you know, the Met Open, Wingfoot, Bethpage. It's, it's just like it's a remarkable. major rota. I mean, seriously, that's how good the golf courses are. And when I, after I won my first Met Am, that's when I knew that I was going to try to play professional golf. I mean, it, it, I, my confidence skyrocketed and that was, that was kind of the light going off that, it wasn't going to be a pipe dream anymore that I was going to, I was going to do it. Yeah. You, you were born in Texas. And then I know that you grew up, you know, cause your father was working as, as, as a professor at West Point. Um, did you move up? How, how old were you when you moved up there? He, he changed careers. Uh, we moved from Texas when I was seven okay. and he got his PhD at Vanderbilt. So I kind of grew up in Nashville and then we moved to New York when I was a freshman in high school. Okay. I, I used to go to college football games at Army because I was living in Ridgewood, New Jersey, and my dad was a huge sports fan. And so when we moved up there, it's like, other than Yankee games and, you know, what, what else can we do? And I always remember seeing the golf course and some of the golf holes when we were driving. In. Is that the golf course you played when you were? It, it was. It was our home course. Uh, they, they shut it down for about two years when I was there uh, to redo it. And, and so we had to play other places, but it was one of the courses I played a ton. And it, on the back nine, you go right up to the army ski hill too. And I mean, the mints back there and the, the golf course is awesome. Spectacular. An old, I think it's a Robert Trent Jones and it was always a blast to play. Yeah. Did you, how did you get noticed? Did you get noticed through 
high school golf through playing some competitive junior golf. How did Virginia Tech come into your purview? I played the Scott Robertson, which is a, a tournament in Roanoke, Virginia. A few of my friends from New York, we got accepted to play the tournament, and I played a really good final round. The coach, uh, Jay Hardwick, the coach of Virginia Tech, was, as he likes to say, following someone else in my group, and he took a liking to me and you know, offered me a spot on the team basically that day. Did you have – did you have a seminal moment or a moment, whether it was through college or when you turned professional, that was a light bulb week or moment that made you think that you could pursue this in a sensible way, like this could happen for you? Yeah, the whole, like we talked about just a minute ago, the whole MGA experience. I, I, I won the Met-Am and then won the Met Metropolitan Open as an amateur yep. right after and, and, uh, and went on a run the next summer up there too. And that was all those events just, I started winning golf tournaments and you know you kind of to think you're to have a good college career but not really win I wouldn't have I wouldn't have tried to turn pro but when I started winning at a clip I was winning at I, I knew it was going to be yeah gonna happen did you did you were you beating anybody that was similar in age that you knew was really good no, no, up there it seemed like they were. You they're know, all mid ams. They're all mid ams. George Zeringer, I don't know if you know George. I, I, but hell yeah, he, he won. He won the mid am at Ridgewood when yeah. I was like twelve years old. He's a legend. Right, George and Jerry Corville. Yes, I, I, you know I beat both of them in match play, and it was the match against Jerry Corville was a real highlight. And, and uh, I don't how know, old I, was he when he you was beat probably forty? Okay, yeah. It's funny because. <laughs> John Cook, uh, John was in the 1974 amateur at Ridgewood, and they're having the amateur again in August for the second time. And Jerry Pate won the amateur, but if you look at the guys who were in the field, it was Craig Saller was in the field, Curtis Strange, Gary Koch. Um, there's a couple guys, um, O'Meara. And, and John Cook beat, um, he beat uh, Gordon Brewer in okay. the second round. Now, Gordon Brewer, for people who don't know, is a legend. Um, and his son runs Callaway. And John, John always likes to say, I walked that old man in after the 15th hole. He wasn't old. He was like in his late 30s. Right. That's how the but kids feel about me today. Exactly. I know. I know. Harold <laughs> Varner, he, uh, we play a lot of golf here in town together. He, uh, he calls me old man all the time. I'm like, just wait. You know, he just got married, had a kid. And, and I'm like, you'll be there, snap of the finger, and you're going to be 42. And people are going to be calling you old man. So It's I, true. Yeah. The, the, the guys, when you, when you turned professional and you got on what was web.com and then, and then now the corn free tour, were there guys that you looked at and you said, those guys are going to make it? I mean, and who were they? Well, we had a, we had a great group of friends. Uh, Brendan DeYoung got yep. on the corn ferry right after me. We were teammates in college. Snedeker, we kind of grew up playing junior golf in, uh, in uh, Nashville. So we, we hung out a lot. Ryan Armour and, um, you know, we all got out there. Jeff Quinney was out there. Kevin Stadler was out there. Um, Stads is still such a great friend. And we played practice rounds together, and there was just never a doubt where we were headed. I and mean, I think it helped a lot having that core friendship of, of guys. We'd eat dinner together. We'd, you know, we'd do everything together. And we all got on tour at the same time. So it was pretty fun. The, um, the setups of golf courses when you got out there, look, Tiger had already – he was already a deity, and, and, and Phil was, was, was a great his supporting man as far as second on the marquee. I mean, it was, it was high times. Uh, the money in the game was exploding. Uh, were, did you notice right away that the setups of the golf courses uh, were set up in a way that, like, I, people talk about bomb and gouge. I, explain to people, like, first of all, theoretically what that means and how authentic that statement is. 07 was my rookie year, and I remember having rough 
every week of the year. The Wells Fargo had nasty rough. I mean, everything had had rough. Um, and if you hit it a long way, you'd gouge it out of the rough. Uh, now there's very few weeks that have wedge out rough, and, and it's changed. I think the tour realizes that birdies sell, and the lower the lower the score, the better. So I feel like the setup's changed a lot, but when I was out there, you needed to hit it straight or, or hit it really long and have wedges coming out because seven irons out of two or rough was not happening. Do, do you think that that, that decision – was was made as a whole for for the field to be more entertaining or was it in any way catering to the fact that that the two biggest stars in the game were, were not exactly the most accurate drivers i never thought about it that way I, I i i thought that it was to cater to the longer players i think people you know it's like someone who can dunk a basketball like we want that and yeah and so people Chicks dig the long ball. I mean, everybody. It's one of the great commercials of all time. <laughs> so with Maddox and Glavin. Yes, uh, and it you know it's kind of phased out the shorter hitter. I think about a guy like Zach Blair, who you know, young guy playing on tour. Like, how is he going to compete going forward? Right. I mean, he he hits it long enough for his size, but if you're not carrying the ball 285 yards and you're under 30, you need to figure something out. Yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with him building a golf course in <laughs> South Carolina right now. Probably. I mean, I, I just – I don't know how you can get past that cold reality of – and I, very rarely do I meet somebody and they want to tell me about some young player. Nobody ever says that person makes everything. They always right. want to tell me how far they hit it. Right. I, I mean, I want to know, like, who makes everything. And I, I – look, the thing about, like, guys like Spieth in particular – Jordan has got pop in his bat. Like, the notion that he's short is ridiculous. You know, he had a stretch there where he, he did feel like he made everything. Um, but, but the guys, that's why, Johnson, I look back on, and I was having this conversation with somebody last week about Zach Johnson, who was actually a buddy of mine who grew up in the state of Iowa. I said, he, he borderline Hall of Fame career, considering the era in which he was trying to, you know, throw punches in. I mean, is that accurate? Two-time major champion. Yes. I would, I would think twelve he would, wins. Yeah, I would think he's darn close to a Hall of Fame career. And uh, he's, I played. He was, he led the money list my rookie year on the Nationwide Tour. And and I, what a great guy, first of all. But you don't see guys built like that anymore competing on the PGA Tour. Uh, and his wedge game is outstanding. I mean, Zach is his career is mind blowing, really, to me. Yeah, how hard he worked, you know, and he was just he was. It's like Webb Simpson, just very regimented in how they prepare and just, I mean, that's what it takes. Is, is the, the, the era or the player who is built as a great tactician, are they in a riptide that is not going to change? I mean, I think you can still, you know, you got to be a tactician around Harbor Town and major championships. I mean, look at a guy like Will Zalatoris. Now, he murders the ball. Yes. It's high and far, but he's not an incredible putter, but he plays his way around the golf course. He hasn't won on tour yet, but he is in the hunt every major championship. I think the harder the golf course is, lends itself to more tactical play. Um, I, I think that's one thing when I get my tour evaluation at the end of the year, I say setup needs to be harder, firmer, faster greens, more rough because it, that it brings that style of play back in. But, you know, you go play the Dominican Republic and there's, you know, you'd rather be in the rough sometimes because it's fluffy past Palom and there's, there's no penalty. And so you play a place like that and it limits who can win that golf tournament. You know, it's interesting. You brought something up that I, I'm, I'm really interested to ask you about because you, it's about feedback. Um, 
and and when you get whatever that is it a sheet is it something you're filling out online you online. send into the tour yeah it's an what, online. And, and basically what is it is it is it almost like a review of of all the the things that 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 you expect as a tour member and you're giving your feedback it's a it's a year-end thing it's it, you know, all the way from security staff, player dining, to course setup, practice area setup, everything. It is a, you know, it takes about 20 minutes to fill it out. And I don't know if a lot of people do it, but I do it every year because, I mean, how, how else is the tour going to improve? And um, I think it's important. And, I, you know, it's one of those things. We don't really have rookie orientation anymore with this wraparound season. It used to always be at Q School. And that was one of the things they stressed was, you know, fill out your year-end stuff. And I think we need to start training the younger players a little better. Well, with what is going on now, I can't think of a more critical time for players to be providing input and feedback on the things that need to get better. And, and look, it, it, for some people, it may just all come down to one thing, which is money, whatever. Uh, but it's got to be more than that. I mean, I, I, as you look at the reasons other than money, are there reasons other than the money that somebody would leave the PGA Tour? I can't imagine. I mean, we have incredible retirement. We've got wonderful health insurance. I mean, the purses, I think there's plenty of money to be made. I love, that's one thing Jay Monahan always talks about is, as we've discussed over the last 10 years about guaranteed money, maybe a, a you know, a $5,000 a week just to, so we can pay our expenses. And the tours always kind of shut it down because sponsors love the idea that, you know, PGA Tour players earn what they make. There's no handouts. You pay for your travel, you pay for everything. And, and that's what's so... Uh, I think that sponsors really, really like that stuff. So I, I have no issues with the PGA Tour. I don't know. I, I don't know what other than money. I don't know what could be a problem that we have. I, we don't have a players' union. I mean, and it's been discussed. It's always discussed. I don't know what the benefits of having it would be. Um, but I, I mean, I think they take really good care of us. Yeah. The look. I one of the one of the great things. I've, and it's authentic is that it really is a meritocracy and that you, you get what you earn based on performance and it really is a separator. Now, it's not to say that, that you know, sponsorship money for stars is whatever it's going to be and I, I don't know how that could dull motivation. I, I, I certainly it never did with Tiger who had more money before he had a competitive golf shot professionally than anybody in the history of professional golf. Um, but I, I, I do think that those days they seem like they, they have to be coming, that they have no choice. Well, the, the tour's doing some great things to combat. And, and now if you if you play 15 events, you get a – I mean, I don't really want to – I don't know if it's bad if I share it. I don't care. But if you play 15 events on the PGA Tour, you get $50,000. Just yeah. here you go. Uh, it's kind of a guaranteed money deal. And I think it's great. I wish it had happened for the 15 previous years that I played 15 sure. events. But, uh, you know, it's – I, I, I thought Tiger's press conference at the Open Championship was incredible. He said, he, and, and it's the way I feel, if you're getting paid a ton of money up front to play, what is the motivation to dig it out of the dirt and practice and get better? If I had guaranteed money and I was not having to make cuts, and I mean, it sounds pretty nice, don't get me wrong, but there would be zero motivation for me to practice. Yeah. And I'd just go out there and be done. But when you play on the PGA Tour, you <laughs> Everybody else is practicing. You better work your tail off if you expect to have a job the following year. Yeah, I think that this is, you know, they, they find themselves in a challenging position because they're, they're, they're fighting something 
that doesn't necessarily, they're not applying market principles to the amount of money they're spending. Now, I'm not saying that they won't eventually have sponsorship and, and they'll be able to um, get back some of the money they've invested, but that's going to take forever considering how much money they've already spent. I just, and again, I'm not asking you if you were offered $50 million, would you go or not? But if in your life, your dream was to play professionally and you knew it was going to be all about showing up and making whatever you made based on how you performed. And now it's like, well, this whole new model is here. And, and you know this better than anybody because you played. Like when you're playing well, you never think you're going to play bad again. And when you're playing bad, you never think you're going to play well again. And I don't think it's an accident that a handful of these guys are either, are either compromised because of injury, they're later on in life, or in the case of the young guys, my God, this money is being thrown at them that they never in their wildest dreams thought was going to be possible. So, again, the source of the money is one thing. I just have a hard time being just hammering all these guys, oh. knowing, knowing how unusual it is to be in that position. Well, in the young, to your point, the young guys, like, it's hard to get on tour. And when you get out there, there's no guarantee that you're going to stay. So if I was coming out of college and they offered me a few million dollars, I would definitely have to think about it. But when I thought about playing professional golf, I wanted to play the majors. I wanted to play on the PGA tour. That's what the, that's what was around when I was coming up. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the game of golf is so special, the integrity, the honesty, the legacy of the game of golf, what it leaves behind. And, and I think what, uh, the money where it comes from, obviously it's, it's weird, but I think for me, it's, uh, just the game of golf is changing so much. I, I think the first tee, the seven principles, like yeah. that's the game of golf. That's how you should grow the game of golf. And this whole new setup just seems so money driven. And obviously if they offered me $50 million right now, I'd probably go take it yeah. just because how do you turn that down? Sure. Um, but I, I just feel like I don't want the game of golf to go down a hole and, and become like every other sport because I think, you know, it's a gentleman's game. Yeah. And you know, Johnson, I, I, you know, and I, I agree with that. I just think that, you know, and Jay, I remember distinctly being at the, at, at the players that week and it was right after the, the initial comments that Phil had made that were attributed to the book that Alan Shipduck wrote uh, came out and, and scared off some guys who eventually have gone in Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau. And it was the Sunday of, of Riviera, a Tigers event. And, and everybody showed up at the players, and it was almost like, well, this fight is over. And I'm like, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. You won a little battle. And they leaned in on legacy and tradition. And I get it. But this money is so obscene and so much of it that they, this group is not going to be denied. And it was just a question of, I mean, did, did the PGA Tour, were they naive or take them for granted to some degree? Because the idea that, that legacy and tradition is going to be able to keep everybody in tow I just think in this day and age, it's just not going to be, it's not reality. It's not reality. And a guy like Bryson, like he's young, he's a one-time major champion. Yeah. Is he really willing to throw away potentially not playing major championships again? He's a U.S. amateur champion. I just don't, I, I, he's got more money. He's not married. He's got more money than he knows what to do with already, right? Like, I, so they're, I mean, they're offering an obscene amount. It's, yeah. it's, and, and I, it's going to get troubling if you have really young stars on the rise that are the top 10 on the FedEx cup that go at the end of the year. That's, that's going to be, I think a lot of guys are waiting to finish out the season and then who knows. See, that's, that's that, that to me is the next shoe that's going to drop right. is that whether it be, you know, who's being rumored and Cam Smith's been kicked around obviously. And that would be a huge blow. I mean, this guy is, he's young, 
He could be one of the faces of, of, a, of a brand in the International President's Cup team, which I think is legitimately good and could go to Quail Hollow and win if they're totally fortified, but Louis already gone. And, but but I, I, like you, think that these guys are going to get what they can get out of the playoffs, and I think there's going to be another exodus. Do you agree with that? I agree with it completely. And, and my concern is what happens to the guys that are going to get pushed out? <laughs> I mean, there's some guys that have gone, and sure. if the tour is really able to make this band for life thing stick, so what happens to a guy that goes, and now that tour says, hey, you're not good enough for us anymore. Sorry about your career. Hope this money, hope this money gets you by the rest of your life. You know, I I just don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah, I you know that is a purgatory that guys who are either let's say that it's an established you know DP World Tour player slash European Tour player, or a guy whose whose life is on the PGA Tour. They now, I mean, do you go to the Asian Tour and is that how you're going to try to you know make a living? The other thing you mentioned these young players. Um, I was talking to Casey Martin, and, and he was talking about how, like, PGA Tour University is a good thing. I think they need to go a step further, Johnson. I, I really think that, you know, we just had the young man from Oklahoma State who, who was the number two ranked amateur in the world who, le- who went to live. Who is that? Uh, Eugenio Chikora. Okay. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is a st- – he almost won the individual, individual NCAA title a couple of months ago. And – and he's from Spain, and I think some of it may have to do with representation. A lot of guys were represented by one agency. It's not a coincidence, and a lot of them are gone. But giving guys Corn Ferry Tour status, I don't think it's going to be enough. I, I think that your tour, and Jay has to look at the idea of giving these guys an immediate entry onto the PGA Tour. I mean, but how many? I, I know. Uh, and then you just start going, I mean, Q School's coming back yes. next year, which is going to be... you agree with that? 100%. The whole... I'm excited about a, a single year schedule again, January to August. Who knows what the fall is going to look like? But I, the wraparound schedule, I think it's confusing to a lot of people, and I, I'm, I'm excited about a Q school. Yeah, I am too, and I'm, I'm glad that it's back. I think it's, I think it's not only good television. I think it's the essence of, of you know what you do, which is, I mean, I, you talk about life and death. That to me is professional golf. Professional golf is is you know the pressure that comes with winning tournaments but also the pressure to pay water bills and and to take that next step i mean that that to me is the essence of of, of the progression of what you've chosen to do chosen to do right i mean there's way more guys struggling to make ends meet than than guys getting recruited by the live tour yeah and i mean jason gore i played a lot with him on the nationwide tour and throughout my whole career and i mean he's got stories he's been down to the last hundred bucks in his bank account a couple times playing yeah. professional golf and it's it's that is the true professional golf is the guy struggling and watching a guy try to play the sixth round of Q school on the cut line to get his card is, I mean, I've been there and I failed. And yeah. It's, it's, and it's and when you can watch it as somebody who loves golf, when you watch this, that's, that's pressure that is, whether it's keeping the dream alive. And there've been a handful of stories. I remember like Chesson Hadley might've been second stage and it was Blaine Barber who actually caught an infraction on himself like the next day. And Chesson Hadley was getting ready to just go and try to get a job like in the restaurant industry. And it got him through to final stage and he's managed to, you know, keep the dream alive. And, and Max Homa was, was, was down and out and, you know, had like a good weekend in Portland. And it gave him enough belief to keep it alive for the rest of the year. And now he's, he's at a different level. I, I love stories like that. Um, but my point is, 
I don't know, like to your question, how many guys is enough? I just think that, that some fundamental changes to fortify the entry point from the elite college golfer to not get plucked off potentially by Live Golf, who can guarantee these guys, you know, what if, what if they're getting signing bonuses of a million dollars? It's going to be enticing as hell you know for they, these guys. You know they are. They are. They are. And they're going to get the club contracts. Like, I'm interested. I, I'm, I've been surprised to see. I know manufacturers don't have any sort of, I don't want to say loyalty to the PGA Tour, but they, they want their brand out there. They want their there. brand and, and, out there. And if their top players are going there, they're going to send reps. They're going to provide equipment. They're going to want their branding there. So, I just worry about there's just no entry. How do you stay on that tour? Then I guess it's so it's so small. Um, there's no world ranking points. I, I just I don't know. I don't, it, I yeah, don't see it. I, I don't see it. If they if they you know they announced recently that they are going to have a qualifying. Now the qualifying is one player, uh, like to, a Monday. Yeah, okay. like a Monday uh, for one guy to get in the field, and then and then within two years. They're actually are going to have kind of like in, you know, players are going to get exiled. Um, and, and, you know, look, the, first of all, to me, I know it's not the greatest word. I'd hate to be exiled, but I, I first of all, 54 holes to me is not championship golf. No cut is not chance soft. It reeks of softness. It reeks of exhibitionism. Um, I don't like 48 players. I don't like 54 holes. And I don't like no cuts. Now, you can get around certain things with respect to the world ranking system. Now, the hierarchy and the people who run the world ranking system are, are people who are not necessarily fans of live golf. Do you think they'll eventually get it with this format? No. I mean, I've heard from the horse's mouth that the new world ranking system is coming out in a couple of weeks. Yes. That we've worked years to try to get passed through. And, and it's got to be 72 and, and from my understanding, the new world ranking system, if you have limited field events, like under 120, exactly. it is punishing. So if even if they were able to get it under the new system, from what I understand is that their points would be less than a corn ferry event. Okay. So like that to me. That's so modest that, that, that the production required to maintain a healthy world ranking position would be, I mean, you're, all, all you can do is fight the sharks that are in the pool you're in. And if all these guys are so depleted, it won't matter. It won't matter. It now, won't matter. now look, for a handful of guys, whether it be Dustin Johnson, who has, you know, he's got, he's got, you know, he's got a 10-year exemption. He's got, a, he's got a lifetime exemption in the Masters. He gets, you know, till 26 with the U.S. Open. You know what I mean? Like these guys who, <laughs> who have, you know, Cam Smith, you look at him and you go, well, I'm, hell, I'm, I can I can now play in the Open Championship for the rest of my life essentially, and I'm fully exempting the others until 27. So I would imagine a lot of these guys are going. And DeChambeau, again, that's the thing. If if these guys jump up or if they get major champions, those guys don't care about the other guys. And you get enough major champions, of course, the Open Championship is going to want their defending of champion they to are. come back, and they want all their champions that are exempt to come back. I mean. You can't put a stop to it. The, the Augusta National has not been in a position to have to answer to this. Now, it was, it, there was talk before it. There were rumors about conversations that may or not been, have been had with, with Phil in particular. But if you consider Phil, Sergio, Patrick Reed, Dustin Johnson, uh, 
Charles Schwartzel. I mean, these are guys who have all won this great tournament within the last 10 to 12 years. They're not going to say no to these guys, are they? I don't think they can. I mean, they obviously can. They can do whatever they want, but I don't. I think it would look bad. Yeah. I, it's going to be interesting to watch it play out. I'm sad about the President's Cup here in town. Yeah. I mean, Louis Ustazen. You'd be gutted. Yeah. To a degree. Especially if these guys play through the FedEx Cup playoffs, and, and whether it be a couple of Americans, a couple of on the international side. Now, look, the, the, the event. Abraham Answer. Yeah. Who's already gone. And Louis Ustazen is, is a, you know, he's a centerpiece of that side as well. And no, there's no doubt. It could be, now look, you know, because you're a member there and you live in this town, this town will be on its ear for that event. And it's, it's going to be a wild time, but I don't want the teams to be depleted. I don't either. And, and not to mention, when you look ahead to the Ryder Cup and you look at the European side, and you, they had captaincy and captains lined up like G5s on a tarmac. And now they're all gone. Do you ever see a day where these guys are going to be? See, here's what I think the resolution is going to be. I don't think there'll ever be a partnership between Liv and the PGA Tour. But I, I think, and this is my own opinion, that the PGA Tour is going to get to a place where they're going to allow players who are members of that group to play a handful of times on the PGA Tour. You would think that they'd have to. If, if it keeps continuing this direction, there's no other option. But, I mean... Henrik Stenson resigned the, the European yeah. Ryder Cup captaincy. I mean, that's – I thought those guys loved the Ryder Cup. It's a Cup. career appointment, but it, it, money is – again, legacy and tradition are – they're wonderful things, but they will not override an obscene amount of wealth that these players have not seen put in front of them nor thought they ever would be in their lifetimes. I mean, I, I just – you know, the players that have been offered $30, $40 million, you're going, What? Those guys haven't made they haven't made half that in their careers. <laughs> I think that's they're going for that sweet spot. I mean, they're they they know that, and I think they've done a lot of research into what we're going to offer guys and look at their career earnings. And if they say no, we'll we'll double it. Do, does the PGA Tour need to fortify the position at the top of the food chain? food chain by giving them more than just a stipend to cover expenses. And I'm talking about Thomas, Smith, Rom, and go down the well, list. I mean, the whole the whole player impact program was kind of designed to do that. The half of them left. I know. I know. So that's not working. Someone told me the other day that if the entire player impact program was split up to the membership of the PGA Tour, everybody would get half a million dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And, and so, I don't know. I think guys like Jordan Spieth, cares too much about it. I mean, he's made enough money in his life. And John Rahm said it. He's like, I've made enough money. I'll never be able to spend the money I've made already. He's like, I want to win tournaments. Yeah. So. I, I just, you know, again, the, these guys, when it comes to all these things that the PGA Tour clearly did as they saw what was a legitimate existential threat, and that was, you know, continually bumping the player's purse and the FedEx Cup bonus pool and the amount of money that can be won at the Tour Championship and the Comcast you know, regular season awards and the Player Impact Program. All those things, were they bad ideas or were they, they were necessary? I, I think they're great ideas. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're putting more money, they're dipping into the, into the reserve, which they don't like doing, to bolster these big event purses. And I mean, it's, I think it's the right decision, but it's, it's, not, it's not doing anything. Yeah. You know? Do you... As far as them announcing this fall series, which will have 
events that will be alternate events for guys who are, and now with more co-sanctioned events with the DP World Tour, they need to have those playing opportunities. It's essential because once the meter starts at the beginning of the year, it's, it's amazing how quickly the opportunities start to dwindle. Um, I, I just, I, especially when you start looking at the way the majors are lined up, I think that those events are essential. Do you agree with the idea of creating these, these potentially team component events with 20 to $25 million purses in the fall? I don't like the team component stuff personally. I think it's, I think it's reaching. Um, I don't think we'll end up doing that personally, but I, I think it's just trying to copy what those guys are doing. Who, I mean, you know, there's only two team events that matter in professional golf, in my opinion, and that's male men's professional golf. And that's the president's cup and Ryder cup. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see the model. I don't. Okay. So let me, let me present this scenario and tell me if it's enticing at all. Let, let's say hypothetically tiger captains a team. Doesn't mean he's necessarily playing, but the sponsorship opportunities would be plentiful. And, and if you put Spieth as a captain and Rahm as a captain and Justin Thomas as a captain, and these guys are literally picking their team. There's, there is a curiosity and an appetite for that, that I would be, I would be entertained by. Um, and the idea of, and again, I'm not going to use the word exile again, but, but, but taken into a, a place where if your, your fourth guy was, was, you know, you could rotate out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I think the sponsorship opportunities with something like that could be really, really good. And, and thinking about that, I loved college golf. And if you could, if I could recreate the vibe of a college team, I mean, it would be, it would be incredible. It really would. And, all the guys love playing New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 different. It is something different in the monotony of the PGA Tour. The same thing over and over and over. It 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 breaks it up, and it, especially that time of year. You're going up against football, and I'm not yeah. suggesting you're gonna you're gonna bite into their to their apple. You're not going to do it, but but to give people and and also to entice and motivate the best players want to look. To me, the FedEx Cup playoffs were created at a time when it was like, wait a second, we're, we can't stop the meter on seeing Phil and Tiger after the month of August, as soon as the, the, the PGA Championship is over. We need Tiger in September. And, and it's, it's not an accident. The thing was built uh, in the middle 2000s. And for the same reason, you're not, I don't, I don't think you just simply give up. And I, look, I think your off season is too short to begin with. I want you guys to go away, to rest, for us to pine for you guys. And, and you come back at the, in the beginning of the year, and it's like, well, I just saw him at the RSM five weeks ago. Right. Uh, however, I think having a short series of events where the best players in the game are enticed uh, to, to be there is something that could be something that could, could provide capital and also – Again, the reason for guys to play is like real money because these guys are making a ton already. Absolutely. And to your point, I know the top players want that offseason. They want to finish in August and not have to play again until January yeah. and, and be ready to go. But to have those few events, I, I mean, I think it'll work. I think it'll work for the tour. And I don't know if it's going to – I don't think it's enough to stop guys if they want to go over and play live. I don't think it's going to stop that. But I think it could be – I think the tour is going in the right direction with these changes. You mentioned the name Jason Gore, and I think Jason, not only myself, but you know, a ton of players who, you know, not only because he's a contemporary of yours, but also you know, younger guys, like that was a great move by the USGA to provide a conduit 
of, of understanding from a player's perspective what it is that you, you are hoping for in a championship setup. I actually think that the PGA Tour would be well served to have somebody who's played the game at the highest level to have the same type of job on a week-to-week basis. Is, is that something that the I've, tour should look I've, into? I've, yes, and I've thought about the same thing, and I would I want that position. I mean, that Seriously? Be, well, you know, Ross Berlin was a long-time yeah. uh, uh, player relations, and he just retired recently, after, I think after the Players' Championship, and promoted from within. And player relations team is great, but – they need to add a former player absolutely into that team because it, it, it's a it's a big deal now the pga tour we run these events every week so the the tour knows most things but it, it is nice to have a player's perspective no and I, the usga I, hit a home run with Jason. They, they did they did and, and you can say well that's totally different it, it's it's by it basically it boils down to one event look one event uh and as as a year progresses all the things that are going on in professional golf on a week-to-week basis need to be understand by the people who are running the biggest events in golf. And as much as the PGA Tour, like you said, it's a traveling circus and they're every, they still are not in that locker room. They still don't have the intimate relationships and, and the trust and the voice. Uh, I, I think they need a player conduit very badly. And I, I bring that up because there are several people who have mentioned you to, to me. And, I'm, and I already, first of all, I think you should be doing television. Uh, even though you still want to play. But I think that that type of job is somebody who's been out there who has, a con- who has connective tissue to younger players but competed against the, the guys who are now into their 40s, that that player needs to be part of the decision-making process. Right. Absolutely. And uh, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head with the whole thing. And I think given the time where we're at right now, it would be a good time to make that decision. Of all these things they're doing to try to – keep people here having a player to come talk to and you know having a I I had a conversation with Bryson about a year ago about live and about him going or not going and and you know I I thought we had a great conversation and you know he he made his decision and and and, you know (laughs) yeah if I was getting offered a couple hundred million dollars I'd make the same one but uh I agree with you well you know Johnson the thing is is that it, 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 it's not to suggest that anybody is going to be able to change anybody's mind wholeheartedly. What it means is you have, you have an understanding of the heartbeat of, of where people's minds are, and not only just about this, this bigger you know, threat to the PGA Tour and live, but, but all the other things. Like the, You shouldn't wait until the end of the year to fill out a, 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 a performance review on what the tour has done. That should be something... That is, and I know, understand the player advisory council and all that. You guys periodically will get together. I think you guys need somebody who is constantly hearing and getting feedback, good, bad, and different on what is going on. Which, which would be, you know, that's like basically a players' union. Yeah, exactly. I know. get it. I get yeah. it. And and look, you know, it, you don't have to be unionized to of have course. representation. No, and the tour to keep players from unionizing should hire someone like a Jason Gore to be their guy. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that that happens. As far as, you know, you and playing, um, you always had – I was always curious because you had, like, your mannerisms, your, the way that you played, you had a very particular methodology. Um, where did that come from? I played a lot of golf growing up. I hated practicing. I never went to the driving range and probably until college. You just wanted to play. Just wanted to play. And I loved – I mean, we would play in high school. We'd play for 
you know, grilled cheese and, and fries or something. And it yeah. was never about money. It was just wanting to beat whoever I was playing against. And I just have always loved competing. Now my mannerisms and everything has kind of, they've, I've tried to really harness it. The pre-shot routine has always been important. Um, uh, a few years ago, I started breathing a lot better and I think breathing helped me a ton. Maybe I should go back to breathing a little bit better. You know, it's so interesting that you bring that up. He said, I, I think that that is, I think we take for granted breathing. You're like, what are you talking about? No, no, I'm talking about conscious breathing. And, and I had this conversation with Casey Martin about, about the, the idea of a quiet mind. And then he thinks it starts with, with breath. Graham McDowell, same thing. He, he hadn't won in a while. He was struggling. And all that does is, all that manifests is tension and anxiety. It lowers your heart rate. Exactly. Right. So conscious breathing is essential. I worked with Gio Valiente for a couple of years and, yeah. and he kind of taught me the, the breathing stuff and I've gone away from it and I've been so nervous these last few, few years of starts. And I'm like, why am I nervous? I've, I've missed plenty of cuts. I've played plenty of bad golf. Like let's do the, do some things to start playing good again. And breathing is one of those things. It's man. Who is, who is, who do you think? And I want to take Tiger out of this because there, it's just such, it's not a fair fight really. But in your time, who are guys who you think do a really good job of focusing? I, I always think about Jerry Kelly. Uh, I, I love playing with Jerry. He was one of my favorite guys. He was so good to me when I was a rookie, too. And Jerry talks a ton. And he's always talking, talking, talking. But when it's time for him to play, it's he flips a switch and just gets right into it. And and I, I think everybody's different. And it's you know there's guys that don't like to talk. and But Jerry always seemed to be able to flip that switch from – being calm and relaxed and talking and joking to flipping that switch and being just dead on focused. Yeah, he is. I, I did an instructional shoot with him a couple of years ago, and and he told me he's like, look, I, I, that's I'm not going to be anybody but who I am, but if I get less verbal, that means I'm not in a good space. Um, but he is. A, he's a perfect example of the guy who maintained fully exempt status until he was 50, which not only is it underrated. But it also, I think, I, I look at guys who stopped playing competitive golf in their early 40s and then wanted to go back and play at 50, and it hadn't been easy to get back in the ring. I, I just, DeMarco, who had a really good career, Chris didn't play for five years, Justin Leonard's getting ready to embark on it now. Whereas guys like Jerry, who, again, has just kept the meter running, and I'm not surprised at all that he's as good as he is. Right. Well, I mean, you, well, I, I just, Playing out of past champions category, you get one start a month or so, um, even less. And so to go out and try to perform, to play competitive golf and be good at it, you need to do it all the time. You need it. Brendan DeYoung, one of my best friends, yep. he doesn't really like playing golf when he's home, but when he was in the prime of his career, he'd play 35 times yeah. a year and he'd just play his way into form. And, and you know, to your point, if you take eight years off of competitive golf, how on earth, how long is it going to take to get back? what you've lost. Yeah, and I, th that's why, you know, look, I, I never put anything past Tiger being able to achieve anything. And I was, you know, I was there in 19 and, and felt like that was kind of, that was the summit, that when he won the Masters and walked every step that final round, I'm like, I'll never see anything quite like this again. I don't know how he's going to be able to do this. I just, Johnson, I, I, look, to show up every four or five months, like, what, is he going to play again next April? Right. And, 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 like when he won the Masters in 19, the building that he did to that moment was very significant. 
He led the Open Championship in July through 63 holes. He pushed Kepka to the wire at, Be at Belle Reve, shot 64 in the final round. He won at Eastlake. He had beaten Rory two weeks before at the match play. Like, all these incremental things he had done. And that still took a Herculean effort and a couple guys to rinse it on 12 and all the stars aligned. And I just don't see how it's possible again. It, it, like you said, anything's possible yeah. with Tiger. But I, I agree with you. If he doesn't, I mean, he's going to have to get some warm-up starts, you would think. But he's acting as if that's never going to happen. He, you think he'll play in the Bahamas? I, I think that that would be the... But, but again, okay, so he's going to play the hero in December. And then what? He's going to turn up in... The hill? In, in, <laughs> see, that's... Just, I just, it's an easy I, walk. It, it, yeah, but even the easy walks. Like People talked about how St. Andrews was flat. It's, it's like the most rumpled, <laughs> rolling, yes. bumpy walk imaginable. I was shocked to see him play the way he played there. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, thought he, I, thought he would, I thought he would. I mean, he made the cut at Masters in the PGA. Extraordinary. I, I for sure. I mean, not that he was going to win, but I did not see him being 10 over par and just completely out of it the whole time. Yeah. I, 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 look, I, there's, I'd love to see it. I just I don't know how, if you do not get a, a competitive environment in advance, like, soon enough in advance so that that the, the residual effects of it are still present i i don't i don't know it'll, it'll be something to behold do you expect him to have a role at quail hollow at the president's cup i think he'll be there right yeah i mean he's part of that he was the last he's, captain he's, he's would... in the bubble i mean he's very much he's are you surprised that he is as invested in team golf now it has been so wonderful to see that has over the last what eight years yeah. that, that he has started joking around with guys more of these younger generation. Justin Thomas loves him and he's got these great relationships. I, yeah, I would expect him to be there and have a role. Yeah. And it's good to see. I mean, what, a, what, a, and, and I hope we see him like that for the rest of, you know, as long as he wants, because yeah, I think that that is surprisingly like I never, I never thought, look, I thought he would be a captain, the, the inevitability of him captaining one or both. And he's already done the president's cup, but I didn't think that there would be, this this strategic investment like there is now with him. I, I remember talking to, to Mark Steinberg many years ago and he said, look, you gotta understand, like he was not raised to, to help others. Right. And it's not, it's not a bad thing. Right. He was raised to be predatorial and to, to extinguish the opposition. Yes. You Did know? you watch the documentary? Yes. I, I thought it was fantastic. It was great. It was great. And for people who were like, well, it was too, that's raw. I mean, genius is is not always pretty. Right. I mean, it can be ugly at times. But I didn't think that we would see him to where he's so into the weeds on all this stuff. And I think it's great for golf. I think it's I think it's great for USA golf that that he is taking the time and the emotional and kind of psychological energy and devoting it to to advancing. Like these guys are going to be better players because of all of this time around him. And then the guys that live down in Florida, I'm sure they get to play a lot of golf with him. And, yeah. and I mean, I played one round with him and it was one of the best days of my life. Where was that? Practice round at Lytham and St. Anne's in 12. Okay. He was awesome. We teed off early, but. Uh, was, was it just the two of you? It was just the two of us. There really? Was, there was was he chatty? I mean, I chatted him up the whole day. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know if I was ever gonna play with him again. So yeah. I, I wanted to make the most of it. and. Joe LaCava was caddying for him, yep. who I had known pretty well. Sure. And, uh, yeah, it was a great day. There was one person on the first tee. By the time we got to the first green, there was ten people. And then the crowd just grew and grew and grew. And I never saw the stands on 18 and as full as I did that day, the rest of the week. It was 
It was incredible. You know, you, you won three times. I think you played nine majors. Mm -hmm. And um, when, you, when you won in Houston, I think the Houston win got you in the Masters. The next week. The next week. And you finished tied for 38th. Um, and but you, what was that gesture for? That it should have been better. Uh, uh, my major career is kind of a joke. I wish I could have played more and played better and more. I just, I, it was always I was just so I'm such a golf fan. I was yeah. so excited and worked up every time I was at a major that it it just never really happened. What 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 stuck out most about that week? I mean, as somebody who is a geek like you are and like I am, I, I I've played that golf course one time in December. And I was so emotionally overwhelmed by just looking in every direction and it reminded me of somebody hitting a shot, whether it was 1975 or whenever, um, that I really couldn't even function. Um, what, what do you remember most about that week? Uh, Tuesday, I walked out of the locker room and it was the old driving range that was right yes. there. And uh, <laughs> I walked out of the locker room and all my friends from New York Club Pros and these guys had driven through the night to come watch the Tuesday practice round. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I cried, but it was, I was just emotion. overwhelmed yeah. with emotion. And one of my oldest friends, Nick Maselli, he's at Old Oaks Country Club in New York. He, I brought him out onto the range as my coach. And he was like standing on the driving range, just freaking out. He didn't, I mean, he was trying to stay calm, but it was just little things like that. And that whole day with them out there with me was, was pretty incredible. What did you learn? What did you learn about that golf course that week that, that had you had a lot of starts going forward, you would have applied? Oh, man, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that. I, I, really? I mean, I, I remember I remember Adam Scott saying that he spent so many years trying to find where to hit it as opposed to where to miss it. Right. And that when he finally won and, I, and I'd heard it before, but not as succinctly as he put it. He's like, all I did was make sure that I always had the right miss. Um, and and I. I was like, wow, okay, I get it. John Cook told me that he always overprepared. He was exhausted by Thursday because you're, there's a giddiness to there because it's the same place every year. And I think people, I don't know how you were. When I grew up, the U.S. Open was, that was, that was it. I mean, that, I, I just, the, the, you know, the, the blue blazers and the bucket hats and P.J. Boatwright, and I'm like, this is, this is the one. And the Masters... Everybody now has a love, a love affair with the Masters that I almost feel like it may be the easiest to win in terms of field, but the hardest to win in terms of the, the pressure and the psychology of it. Completely agree. I grew up loving the U.S. Open. My grandfather was on the executive committee um, of the USGA, so I, I, I still love the U.S. Open. It's still number one for me. But, yeah, the Masters, I would think, coming down the stretch, the nerves would be a little tougher there than anything. I mean, lifetime exemption, get to go to Augusta anytime you want. Exactly. I mean, it, it, would, it would be overwhelming standing on that 18th tee with a one-shot lead. I, I may just crumble to the ground. but Yeah, the, the, you know, I thought it was great that, that Justin Rose, when he won the U.S. Open, the, the members at Marion wanted to make him an honorary member, and he, said, I, he, he apparently said that is beyond flattering. But if I'm going to be a member, I'm going to be a paying member. I want to, I want to, I want to, this means so much to me that I want to be able to bring my friends here. And, 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 and he's done that. He's, he's a regular member at Marion. And, and that's great. And it's not like you become a regular member at Augusta National. But to your point, going there every year and to be in that room on Tuesday night is, 
that's why I just think all that stuff, how can you compartmentalize everything and keep that out of your mind when you're trying to get that done? Well, I mean, the, the level of focus that I've had when I have won tournaments, it, it's, it, it's like an out of body experience and, and the high that you get from winning. I think you just are so focused and in the zone that I, I mean, I can't speak to winning a major, but winning any golf tournament, the level of focus it takes, it's I've tried you can't replicate it I mean yeah. it's it just it happens and it's it builds over you know how you prepared Tuesday to Wednesday what did you do after the round your late round Thursday did you go to the putting green and do your drill that's an extra level of confidence and and to the guys that win major championships like Cam Smith how good did he look finishing the open championship the, the up and down on 17 absurd and the 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 lag putt on 18 like his speed and his focus and just he just had it. He was, I mean, that round he played Sunday was one of the best rounds of golf I've ever watched. Yep. No question. When you won at the beginning of the year that you won Sony, um, you had a stretch that was off the charts good. I mean, you, you, you could have won uh, at Humana, which is the California Desert, the Bob Hope. When you're playing like that and you have that kind of stretch, back to when I said, you know, you guys say, like, when you're playing great, you never think you're going to play poor again. When you're playing poor, you never think you're going to hit another good shot. Was that as good as you've ever played that With, stretch? Without a doubt. That was the best golf, other than maybe some amateur golf in New York. But I worked out that entire off season. I was as skinny as I've ever been as an adult. And uh, <laughs> I, went, I was playing at Kapalua, finished ninth, and yeah. just I got to the Sony Open, and I knew I was going to win. I shot five under on the front nine on Thursday, and I had already, like, I'd like to thank so-and-so, and I think I shot three over on the back, and it kind of brought me back down to earth, yeah. but then I just played incredible golf the rest of the week and won, and I got to the Humana, and there was no doubt that I was going to have a chance to win there too. Like It's just funny that you're – and now I feel like I could never play good again. It's to that, That's the greatest quote. I think uh, – who was it that told me that? An old An old – a veteran back in the day told me that. Oh, it was uh, Gary Koch. Said uh -huh. that's the first time I ever heard that. When you're when you're playing well, you never feel like you're gonna. Anyway. Yeah. I got to the Masters that year in twelve. I was number two on the FedEx Cup. Had played good at Doral. Played good in Houston the week before. And I got. I was. I was such a jerk at Augusta. I was just. Just. Oh, I felt like I had to play good. And and that was basically the end of that year for me. I played horrible in every major after that. And. That year, I, why do you think that was? I just, I, I, I was holding on. I wanted to, I wanted to make the tour. I'd never made a tour championship, yep. and I think from the Masters on, all I was trying to do was make the tour championship. And I stopped doing the things that I did to play well early in the year. Yeah, um, the idea of of you know being being uptight when you're when you're in a we're in a, when you're in a stretch. Have you ever had a stretch where you? thought I'm not going to play well again. Was there anything that you could rely on to get you out of that? I mean, the guy you worked with forever, Bobby, I mean, you, you, I mean, were there, were there fundamental things that you went back to? Swing wise, probably not. I, I think the thing that got me out of it the most was working with Gio Valiente. Okay. Uh, I was in a real rut when I started working with him, probably 14, 15. And he taught me breathing and just getting more routine oriented, uh, being more active. And I'm getting ready at post-surgery. I'm getting ready to get back in the gym. That's always been something. When I've worked out and I've been in good shape, yeah, uh, better shape, I, I, I find confidence level goes through the roof. I'm just, I hate working out so much. that I mean, I'd rather go 
play basketball or tennis or something. Yeah. I just, the gym just doesn't do it for me. But yeah. I think that's the most important thing for me to play well is to be fit and confident. When you are, when you play, from what I understand, you play, you like playing with your friends at Quail and you play a lot of golf. I, I mean, you can't simulate the competitive environment of being out on the PGA Tour. You can't. How do you, how do you substitute what is required to play broke every day to make a living to be good when you're just playing with your buddies? I mean, we, we, we play for a little cash. <laughs> uh, and I'm giving a lot of strokes. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a. What is your index? Uh, I've got it where I want it right now. I think I'm a plus 4.1. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's where you want it. Well, I mean, I've posted a lot of bad scores from tour events lately. Uh, <laughs> it's fun managing the handicap. Quail's kind of known for some handicap management so I've, I've learned a lot from some friends out i bet there. you have the occasional three footer when you the hole's already over maybe 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 you miss it i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but uh i love playing golf we have a lot of guys in, in town to play with tour players and guys I, that you see here's the thing about the guys that you're around is that anytime i ask most times i ask tour players like you know, have you played here? No. Have you played there? No. Like, it's your job. Like, when you're not playing competitive golf, you're not going to go off and have a buddy's trip. But guys like you and Webb, like, Webb likes playing golf. Like, he'll go down to Pinehurst and he'll play a lot of golf. Or Eagle Point. And Harold seems like the same thing. He likes to play golf. Yes. I've seen him at Congaree playing golf. Yes. And you like to play golf. I love going on golf trips, too. It's one of my Do favorites. Do you really? Oh, my gosh. A hoopy match club? Have you been down I there? have indeed. I mean, golly, Special. I can't think of a better. You want to go when they open? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, get eight guys and go down there. I can't think of a better thing. I actually, I just did a trip with three fraternity brothers of mine who the, the, the four of us have not played golf together in over 30 years. And we, we met in Denver uh, and played Cherry Hills and then hopped over to Holyoke and played Bally Neal. And then to Caprock Ranch, Gill's newest. Uh, How was that? Sensational. And I'm not saying this. It 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 can trade blows without a hoopie. It is that good. Cool. It's stunning. How like six of the holes are in the canyon. The Snake River. It's got this white rock. It's 300 feet above the canyon floor. And then eight holes are in the prairie. And then Sand Hills, which I've been to one other time. So those four golf courses with three buddies for four days, I mean, that, that was a next level trip. Uh, I love that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I hear Sand Hills. My brother went out there a couple of years ago. And, it's Mecca. Yeah. But it's, it's two hours from the nearest little airstrip. Yeah. It's, it's 70 miles from Valentine, Nebraska, and 70 miles from North Platte, which has commercial service. Um, yeah. I mean, but it's a journey. Right. But that's, that's kind of like part of it. See, but I, I don't understand. Like, all you guys like to play golf. I don't know what it is about this Charlotte gang that does. Well, I, I mean, there's some guys that don't. Yeah. I mean, Brendan does not. <laughs> I, I feel comfortable saying that. If he, yeah. if he heard that, he would probably be How about okay Mackenzie with it. Hughes? He's a Charlotte he, guy. Yeah, he likes to play. He comes out to Quail every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, he's got young kids now, and uh, Brandon Hagee just moved to town. Yeah, I heard that. Um, we've, got a, we've got a good group of, a good group of guys, a bunch of young. David Coker, who just won on the Corn yep. Ferry last week. and. Uh, Trevor Cohn, and uh, there's, a, there's a big group of guys in Charlotte. Yeah. Well, what do you expect, President's Cup-wise, bef before I let you get out of here, um, whatever the makeup of the team is, I, I, I think Trevor's team, um, again, it, it all depends on who's going to be there. Let's say they're all there, with the exception of Louie, who we know is not going to be there, and Charles, who I think 
puncher's chance of getting he wouldn't, on the side. He wouldn't, he wouldn't I, I, doubt, I doubt. I agree yeah. with you. I, he wouldn't have been on the side. And Abe is not on the side. I mean, they're already depleted. Um, it's too bad because I think that they would have been – they were right there in 19, and I think they would have been right there. And still kind of think they will be. I think it would be good. I mean, I – Obviously, I want to root for yeah, oh yeah. the U.S., but I think it would be good for the event if the international team could eventually win one. Uh, I, do, I do, too. But I, 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 I'm more concerned about the spectator experience because I've never been to a, a cup, and there's only five groups on Thursday and Friday. And Let, I, and let me I'm, tell you something. <laughs> it is abject misery if you're 5'9", which I am. The first Ryder Cup that I, that I went to was a million years ago, but I wasn't really paying attention. That was in 91, but I went to Louisville and I went with Jay Billis and that son of a bitch is 6'8". Right. So he could see everything. Right. And he laughed the three days because I could see nothing. And then from then on, I'll never forget walking down the 18th fairway at Medina and Bones, Jim McKay said to me, have you ever been in inside the ropes at a Ryder Cup before? And I said, no, I haven't. He said, there's nothing like it, is it? And there isn't. There isn't. And I've been to every you know, Ryder Cup in the United States since, it's a challenging viewing experience. I would imagine you're fortified with some hospitality. Well, <laughs> one, one venue, I'm, ho I'm hoping to add a couple more, but I need some friends to invite me. But yeah, as you just sit and watch all the groups come through yes. in one spot. I mean, that's the only way. But I mean, at what point do you have to get there? At what time do you have to get there? Hours. To get to first tee, hours. And, and the first tee at Quail, with the way that they're going to have those you know, eye level suites, which is going to be cool. I really need to find some of those people. That's what I, I, I actually know some of those people. So I'll, I'll, I'll help you out with that. Uh, look at whistling straights. I was helping out with Sirius XM and, and our, our broadcast location was right down from the first tee two hours before the first ball was struck. They're doing chants. They're right. singing. It's two hours. Right. And then you get out on the golf course and there's a stanchion on the sixth hole. They're not going to see a shot for 90 minutes. And it's full. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm not willing to sit on that first tee box for two hours, especially if the sun's blaring down in September and Charlotte. Yeah. But it's going to be a fun week. I'm excited for the city. I think there's a lot of cool fan experiences, and I think it's going to be just an incredible week. Are you um, are you nervous at all about, about the surgery? A little bit. A little bit. I don't like getting knocked out. I just had my first ever colonoscopy, and it was I was terrified of getting knocked out. But yeah. I think I'll be better. Yeah. I got a good doctor doing it. So what is what is after surgery? When can you get, get after it and get active? I've heard 100% four to six weeks. And okay. I am I think this knee's been messed up for a long time. I haven't been able to squat down and read a putt for five years. So wow. I think hopefully this is going to be pretty immediate relief. And I'll you know, be chipping and putting within 10, 12 days and ripping that driver, you know, three weeks. Okay. All right. Let me get you out of here with these five quick questions. Who is the best player who never won a major? Mm. Lee Westwood. Okay, that's a good answer. As far as longevity, it's interesting how that question could be answered now. Like you have these younger guys who you know are going to likely win majors. Yeah, Westwood's a good answer. Who, who, who would you say? Um, I would say among – I would probably say Westwood. I, I think that if Matt Kuchar played all over the world, if he – if you know, Matt, again, he got, he got, he got, I mean, Spieth, you know, just that last 90 minutes of that. That open, was, that, that was, was some exciting yeah, television. I, I think Westwood is, Westwood's the better player career-wise. Um, yeah, I'd probably Colin, go with him. Colin Montgomery? Yeah, yeah, I mean, of the guys who were, who never won a major, 
Um, Monty's right there. And then there's some guys like Doug Sanders, who was very close, and Bill Melhorn. And No, I think Westwood's a good answer. All right, the smartest guy you know on tour? Uh, Lucas Glover. He's so well-read. Very read. sneaky. He reads a lot. He's so well-read, and he, you know, he does crossword puzzles in, oh, does he in really? no time. I mean, he's, 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 he's brilliant. He's fun to talk with and play with. I, I, I have a lot of respect. What for does he read? Does he read fiction or nonfiction? Both, or everything. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know he did the crossword puzzles. All right. Uh, what are your vices? <laughs> we need another hour. Uh, I, I don't know that I should be sharing all of them. Why? I don't know. I mean, I like to drink alcohol. Okay. It's not, I mean, it's okay. Um, uh, I don't even know if that's necessarily a vice. I mean, as long as you you manage it well. I mean. I, I'm, some, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, gosh, I, 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 I'm not going to go too many to count. Okay. All right. Um, the most talented player we've never heard of. Mm. Oh, this kid I played with at the, uh, at us open qualifying this year. He's playing like minor league stuff down in Florida. His name is, uh, Michael Sweeney. Okay. He's from Connecticut. He was like the number one player in the world. The day, the two, the 36 holes I played with him played way too slow, but, uh, was really re- good. Remarkable. I, he, I guess he, how old a, is he? 22, 21. Okay. I, I, I was like, have you ever been to Q school? And he said, Nope. He's like, I don't have any money. I'm like, well, that's not an excuse. You need to find some money and you need to go to Q school. Yeah. So he, I think he, hopefully, did he get through that day? He lost in the playoff. Oh, he did. Yeah. Okay. But he, where did he play college golf? Uh, like a year of community college or something. Wow. All right. Um, a movie you can watch whenever you see it on TV. Like you watch the last 30 minutes, you watch it if it just started. Dazed and Confused. That's a very good movie. That's a good one. All right, the last one, the most embarrassing moment you've had in your life, not necessarily on a golf course. Well, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, I hurt my leg back in February on a golf trip uh, down at Calusa Pines. Uh-huh. Um, How was that, by the way? I've never been there. It's fantastic. That's what I've heard fantastic and a great place to hang to hang uh and I, I rolled a golf cart i wasn't trying to just made a right hand turn something was messed up with the axle but it was one of those like demo carts that went really fast and so you're the one who was on the bottom if you turned right yeah i turned right there was nobody in the passenger seat with me uh-huh. and the cart you know landed on my leg and drug me for a while and that whole next day i couldn't play golf uh, but my team my seven other guys I was out there with, they played and I was hobbling around the locker room as guys came in and out and it looked like a motorcycle accident and I was embarrassed all day. Wow, but you were not like injured beyond just the scrapes and the bruises? A little MCL sprain, but nothing, no surgery required. I gotta ask you, since you do like the the buddies trips, where have you not been that you wanna go? so my brother went and they played Ballyneal and Sand Hills. Yeah. There's four of them last summer. They okay. love that. He's also been up to Nova Scotia to Cabot Links. Yeah. I hear that's fantastic. Yeah, Cabot Links and Cabot Cliffs. They've got two up there now. I, I'd love to go. I mean, I've been over to Scotland and played the Open, and my brother and I have gone and played other places while over there. But I think, uh, you know, an international, oh, an, sure. I, an Ireland or Scotland trip. Have you with, not been to Ireland? I haven't. Yeah. Very good ones there, for sure. I mean, I... And your brother loved Ballynill and Sand Hills. He did. They, I mean, he said Sand Hills at night. You go out and it, you look at the stars. You've never, you can't see clearer stars. It's it's extraordinary. I, I was telling these guys 
um, that the one the first time I went there, we were staying in. I stayed with my my best friend who I went out there with. We stayed in North Platte and got up the next morning and drove there, and it was 70 miles. We saw three cars. <laughs> That's amazing. And then this time we stayed in Valentine, which is uh, Caprock Ranch, which Gil just finished last year. Um, is just south of Valentine, and so it's 65 miles just going due south, and probably saw you know maybe five six cars, but it is, you know, you just think like God, this is our country, and this is amazing, really amazing. You would love it. I, I've heard. I'm, I'm going to have to make that happen yeah. sometime. Yeah, it's it's the most Sand Hills to me is the most uninterrupted golf experience. Once you once you get there, you then have to get on a golf cart and drive a mile to come over the hill to get into what is the valley of where the golf course is. And I, the, the man who built it, Dick Young's cap, and the story of how it got built is pretty extraordinary. Um, and I, he was out there the day that I was there, and I asked him, I said, why not more than 18 holes? And he said, well, he said, Gary, I'm not really a golfer, but to me, the Boston Garden had two rims, Yankee Stadium has four bases, golf is 18 holes, and I went, Perfect. That's a great answer. That's <laughs> How was the par answer. three course at, at Ballyneal? Uh, we didn't. We didn't even okay. play it. Okay. Uh, the Mulligan course because we we wanted to we wanted to get the Cap Rock right. and so we 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 passed on it. Ballyneal was very good, yeah. really good. And you'd love. I mean, they're fast. Right. I mean, the golf courses are fast. The ground is where you don't you don't use the ground a lot in this country. No, which is why I love Ohupi so much. Yes. It's fast. Even I've played there after a heavy rain and it's still been fast. Have you not? Have you been to Congaree yet? We played last year, the whatever. Oh, you the, were there? Yeah. Okay. Well, it got they, some rain. It wasn't It wasn't the way it should have been. The tour. I, I got out there Monday, and all I heard was how, how fast and it firm. It is. And I got on the first green and left a putt 10 feet short. They were running eight. The tour slowed them down, they, which they did at Trinity Forest as well. Like they're so scared to let it. And I, you're getting 156 guys around that golf course in a day. I, I get not wanting those runoffs to be super fast and pace of play taking forever, but uh, it was a it was a shame the way that golf I agree. Was prepared. I agree, and I, you know I think the CJ Cup in October it'll be different Ooh, there. Is that going to come? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll need to do. I I did a hooping. I was the first person to play the two golf courses in the same day. That's cool. Yeah. That's, that was, a, that's a good. That's a good one. Well, it was it was kind of like Days of Thunder going from. Congarito Hoopy. I mean, it was 75 miles and it was not at the speed limit because it was December. We were trying to get Uh-oh. it done before the sun went down. It's impressive. And it was good, though. Listen, it's great to see you. You too. Thanks really for coming good to in. See you. Thank you, Gary. All right. We really appreciate Johnson Wagner for coming in and most importantly for you listening and watching to this Five Clubs conversation. 